Hey, hey, Rain here. I have a special guest today. I am sitting here with Chuck Sharp. You have been a trauma counselor for how many years now? For 37 years. 37 year trauma counselor. And I mean, he is in the hospital pretty much 24 seven on call. And today we are most likely going to focus on what's been going on with the pandemic and with uh, social contact and the problems that are caused with not having social contact and and in those areas and this is affecting everybody so I think it's very important for right now so I'm going to go ahead and um, kind of talk to Chuck but I'm going to let him kind of go off most of the time because he's seeing this firsthand every single day so what are you seeing the most of Chuck well, I, I specifically see the effects of the lack of social contact that people have. So we have known in psychology for over a hundred years that contact comfort is extremely important in our lives. From the time that a small one is born and you hold that child, it's like contact comfort is really, really important. Uh, a small child who is void of contact comfort has difficulties when they grow up in their growth and development. And a lot of times we don't realize that as adults we have that same need for contact comfort. Okay, and so when, are, are you seeing more activity in the hospital since the pandemic? Because I knew that there was a lot before, but has it gone up exponentially, you think? I personally have seen over a 300% increase oh my gosh. in the patients that I see in the emergency department. And I, I cover the emergency department 24-7, 365, so I'm on call. I go in when there's a psych uh, patient that they have or a need that they have that has to do with psychological measures, and I'll go in and take care of that for them. But we have had a 300% increase since the beginning of the pandemic. Wow. And some crisis lines, the crisis lines that you call in, mm -hmm. have reported a thousand percent increase. And I think that has a lot to do with the contact that we need. It's like where they don't have as much contact, uh, there's more of a need for that. So if you had to, if, if you can kind of split it, where yeah. are you seeing the most psychological discomfort? Is it with like housewives and the kids? Is it with elderly people, I mean, what segment of the population is the most affected, do you think, right now, or that you're seeing at the hospital? Well, I live in a fairly small rural area, and I have been surprised because what I have seen is across the board. Yesterday, I saw a seven-year-old in the emergency department, wow. and his issue had to deal with contact comfort and not getting enough attention from his family in specific areas. Uh, so I see it across the board. I have seen a lot of teenagers who typically have contact at high school and all. Our specific high school has been like cut out and they're not going to high school right now. They're doing everything online because 18 people supposedly tested positive for coronavirus. And despite the fact that not a single one of them had to come to the hospital and receive services, they still shut the high school down. So... For me, it's across the board with no matter what the age range is. I've seen people in the last week who have come from the nursing home and haven't had as much contact at the nursing home because their loved ones aren't allowed to come in and see them. Uh, I've seen housewives who are like stuck at home with the children because they're not going to school, but it's like they don't have any contact, comfort, or any attachments with the, the people that they normally get to see going to the gym or going out for lunch or doing some things that they do as women or... Uh, 
uh, in their personal activities. So I've seen it across the board. Okay. Kids, that's, you know. I have seen more kids recently than you could imagine. It, it kind of flabbergasts me. Well, one of the things that we had talked about in the past is suicides and suicides yes. rates. And you know that um, my own my own kid, that's originally why how we met was my kid being in the emergency and, um, you know, being in that teenage situation where feeling stressed to the point where they could not find a way to make anything make sense to keep going on. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. So. <clears throat> That's intensified and exacerbated because they don't have the contact with their friends or the school or the school activity or whatever it might be. So I'm amazed at how dramatic the increase is in the suicide rate right now. Um, it's just unreal. So if you had to look at the pandemic and look at getting ill compared to the psychological uh, issues that have been created with the social distancing and keeping people away from each other, which do you think has a greater impact, honestly? I think originally they said that the pandemic did, but right now what we're seeing is that the social implications are much more concerning than what anything with the virus is. And also, too, we're finding out that the virus isn't anywhere near as uh, deadly and as hurtful as what they originally thought. Right, because if you look at the CDC statistics, right? Right. Um, and we're not taking any political sides right now. We're talking about science. Okay, and if, if you look at the CDC website, it's about a 1% or less. It's less than 1% right now. Right, mortality and rate. And it's going down because as we test more people, uh, what you see is, okay, the more people that are tested, uh, it isn't like there's a dramatic increase in hospitalizations and especially in deaths. And in my specific state here, uh, there have been, I think, an average of eight or 10 deaths over a seven-day period. And if you looked at the normal deaths that they have, they have more than that. They have 48 deaths in a day uh, in the state of Utah. So it isn't like the pandemic is increasing the numbers. And you mentioned something earlier that kind of, uh, that I did a little research on not too long ago. I looked at what the United States mortality rate is. And over the last four years, the mortality rate in the United States has stayed extremely consistent, even considering a 1.2% increase in the population. The mortality rate has been almost exactly the same in the United States. And when you throw the COVID deaths that they're saying that are in there too, it's still consistent with the amount of deaths that they've had in the past. So you would think that with, you know, a quarter of a million people who have died from COVID, that it would raise the mortality rate in the United States. But actually, if you looked at the figures, it hasn't. Because what you see is you see the other illnesses, they don't have a count on it. So I saw a thing the other day that said, in the United States, uh, the COVID-19 has literally cured influenza and they told that there's a 95 percent decrease in the deaths from influenza and they didn't <laughs> know what that is but when you look at what the covid related illnesses are influenza um, respiratory illnesses heart disease diabetes um, pneumonia it's like if you look at the deaths that typically we have in those they usually aren't reported by the news and other people it just happens you know every year but there have been years that we've had you know 80,000 deaths just from influenza in the United States but you don't hear about that and they don't shut the schools down for that 
Right. I didn't hear anything at all about West Nile this year. Right. Right. And we usually hear about that <clears throat> like crazy. And there, there, it was a mosquito season. It was exactly. A, I mean, it was we a bad had mosquito bad mosquitoes season. this year. Right? So I think part of it is, um, you know, a reporting difference. So we have like a news media who's, you know, has been trying to push a certain narrative uh, and they'll push certain things. If you notice nowadays, I think their narrative has changed. They tell you now how many people have tested positive. They don't tell you about the deaths anymore, how right. many people are in the hospital. Uh, you have to go to specific websites to see that. I remember at the first of the pandemic, because I work in the emergency department, I always wanted to stay current on everything and be able to give people information because especially in a traumatic situation or when you deal with crisis, especially psychological crises, um, a lot of times information is your best thing, helping people to understand the circumstance and helping them to know what to expect and what to count on. So I used to go to the CDC site to look at their uh, their data and you could see right on the very first page how many children of a certain age group had died and how what they had died from and different things. Nowadays, you have to do quite an extensive search on the CDC website to even find what death rates for certain ages are and other things because that isn't their uh, narrative now. Their narrative is something different. Okay, that's disturbing. It's pretty disturbing when you want the people... Well, think about this. With any type of trauma situation or uh, with anything like the pandemic or something that scares or causes people to have fear, you want people to know and understand what's happening because that is the one thing that can help them to calm down and relax or approach life in a, in a more calm and rational way. When they don't have certain type of information or when they're only fed certain types of information, it can cause a dramatic increase in the fear that they have and the level of trauma that they experience. So right. when you can't get specific data and information and they feed you a certain line of certain things, it's really, really interesting. It's like right now it's, you know, 99.9% .9%, uh, rate that a survival rate for COVID-19 and they don't tell you that, but it's actually a little bit better than what influenza is now. And people, you know, they didn't use to shut schools down or right. shut down businesses or shut down travel and different things like that. But actually the rate now is lower than what it is for just common influenza. So sometimes I look at those things and I look at the initiative that we're, or the narrative that we're being fed by people and it doesn't match what's going on in society. And for someone like me who deals with, with crisis and, and with trauma, it's very frustrating. I, you know, I hate to say, what do you think is the underlying reasoning for what's going on? Because it's speculation. Because we have no clue <clears throat> about why we would be fed a whole lot of, I mean, you say narrative, it's, it's, I feel like it's propaganda sometimes because when I'm driving down the road, I'm seeing all of these posters and everything else and every, every business that I go into, there's, there's something about a mask, etc. And, um, so, so now here, I think we've had mask mandates for at least six weeks, right? We've already shut down the economy, uh, once before. So if masks being worn actually stopped or helped stop the transmission of this, wouldn't you think the transmission would be going down since we've had a mask mandate for the last six weeks? 
absolutely you would think that, but that isn't really what the science shows. And that's what's frustrating. I mean, a lot of times on these narratives, it's like they tell you what they want you to hear. And I sometimes wonder why, who is behind telling you certain things. Sometimes you can listen to mainstream media and they all have the same talking point for the day. You can listen to eight or 12 different stations and it's like they still, they all have the same talking point. I think up until now, and I hate to say this, you know, and, and it's, of course, it's just my opinion, which doesn't mean very much, but um, I think politics has been a big driver of what narratives we have heard lately. So it's like there are certain people who want a certain political person in office and certain people who want a certain political person out of office. And I think that has done a lot to push and drive whatever the narrative is that we hear. Um, the, the President of the United States came out with a travel initiative uh, clear back in January and shut down travel and at that time he was being accused of being a xenophobe and different things like that and then later on he's being accused of not doing something soon enough so it's like it just depends on what the narrative is that they want to push right and I I want to make something clear for those that are listening uh, out there uh, first of all um, Chuck and I got to know each other because you did counseling work for my kid and then uh, you know ultimately counseling work for myself but we don't come from the same background and we don't come from like the same any kind of political affiliation we don't one thing that chuck knows about me is i am my own thinker i do not follow any particular line of anything i am a person that starts digging and looking right right absolutely right so tell me tell me a little bit about how i i operate and why you're willing to do this today <laughs> I'm willing to do this today only because we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first and only time I've ever done a podcast or anything like that. I've been on television a few times when the shuttle blew up and it happened to be our specific area where they had built the rocket boosters and also they were looking at the psychological impact. And at that time I was the director of services for the mental health center here. So I went on the local television station in Salt Lake and, and was there for a couple of programs talking about psychological impact and trauma at that time. But I'm not a real good person for being on the forefront. I like to stay in the background. I like to stay in my office. I like to do therapy. Uh, so I'm not a real person who's... <laughs> too comfortable with too much attention. So only reason I would do this is because we're friends. That's awesome. I appreciate I appreciate that because I think right now it's so important because it's people are confused and they are terrified. People are very confused and the information that we that we are receiving makes it even uh, more confusing. So you hear one person say, "Well, let's follow the science." And then when you follow the science, it's like they're not following the science. Um, I mean, you're your child, if you have a child that's going to school, has seven times more chance of being killed in an automobile accident than they do of dying from COVID-19. Uh, so why, why are we driving? That. Yeah, so why are we driving? Why don't we shut down driving? Why don't we do that? Um, so you look at those particular things and it's, and it's very, very frustrating because people, unless they do a whole lot of research, which people don't do. Right. Um, they, they listen. They they'll, listen. They'll follow. They'll be on Facebook and they'll follow what everybody yeah. says. Yeah. And they'll follow what everybody says. And then it's like, okay, there's such disparity there that all of a sudden there's a fight on Facebook and it's like, okay, this gets nasty and they call names and they stop and they go on, but no real information gets shared with people. And a lot of times... Our society isn't used to going and seeking out that information. 
we get told on the evening news or whatever news channel that we listen to and then we go on from there and nowadays that information isn't very correct that that's disturbing it's way disturbing and it's like especially in the middle of this pandemic it's like um, you know you can talk about the science of masks and it's like okay people will tell you every single different thing you want to hear and it's like nobody really tells you what the science well you work in a hospital most of the time so tell us the science of masks (laughs) well of course you know you need to understand this is my own personal opinion about things but um Uh, now it's not let's let's qualify that a little bit your personal opinion after working 37 years in a particular industry that has to do with being in hospitals and people wearing masks okay that you know so i I would say you have have a lot of I do have a little more information about that right. and I have sought that out because I do work in a hospital setting and, and it's like I'm not just a therapist that does crisis work. I actually work inside the emergency department right. at a local hospital. But if you look at the science of masks, the things that they tell you, they oftentimes don't give you the rest of the story. So it's like you can go on the internet and you can see a a study that they did where masks cut down on the transmission of viruses by 70%. And it like sounds good. So everybody says, so you need to wear a mask. You need to wear a mask. Well, if you read the study, and I read the study, I read every single word of in the study, and I read the, the how they set it up, and I read certain things. The initial sneeze of, a, of someone who has virus <clears throat> can travel quite a distance, 20 feet. And I believe that there are something like two million particles of virus that can be in that particular sneeze. Okay, so there's a lot. Well, if you wear a mask and you sneeze into your mask, about 30% of the transmission of that can be trapped inside of the mask. And so their heading is truthful. It's like, okay, it can cut it down 70%. But what they don't tell you is the rest of the study where it's like, okay, but if you wear that mask all day long and you touch a mask and the person who wears a mask touches a mask on average three times a minute every time you touch the mask you're now infecting your hands and then everything you touch with your hands is now infected so uh, if you stop and look at it it really doesn't cut down and in some situations it can actually increase exacerbates the situation it can exacerbate the situation let's say that you were the person who works behind the counter and I'm not trying to cause fear into anybody but right. it's like let's say you're the person that works behind the counter at the local grocery store and you go to work and your policy is that you wear a mask and you wear gloves and when I go to the grocery store the ladies behind the counter who check you out they're wearing masks and and gloves but let's say that uh, the first person through the line uh, comes through the line and they've been infected some way at home or something and they they have the virus well everything in their cart that they have touched comes across the conveyor belt and right. the woman picks it up and she scans it and she and know, it's now on her and, gloves and it's now on her gloves and then she touches her mask and it's now on her mask right and, and then the young man who's loading your groceries puts it in the grocery sack and then it's like they go home well then the second person through the line is like she touches all of their things so now everything from the first person is now on the second person's groceries that they do and they're put in the bag and they go on and she touches her mask a few more times and and she has an eight or ten hour shift and it's like okay now she's come in contact with more people uh than she normally would have come in contact with if she had a sneeze sneeze someplace and and after 15 minutes the particles of virus would have you know fallen to the floor 
So in some situations and circumstances, their science doesn't hold up if you tell the whole story of it. The other thing, too, is that uh, if you want to talk about the quality of masks, it's really important. Oh, yeah. If you notice in the hospital, anything that they show you in the, you know, on the news or something about the, the medical workers who are working in the hospital, they have an N95 mask, they'll have a respirator, they'll have a shield, they'll have certain clothing that they wear that when they go into the person's room, they can discard and they like learn how to fold it inside out and how to be able to dispose of it properly. But that N95 mask means that 95% of the time, it will filter out a virus particle that's 0.3 microns or greater. The COVID virus is 0 0.120 microns. So even an N95 mask, which is the type that they use in the hospital, doesn't filter out a small enough particle to not catch that through the N95 mask. Well, then the masks from there have lower grades. So the next mask or the masks that you see that are blue or Oh, how about the, uh, the designer ones that, the designer everybody, ones, the, that like, everybody's selling yeah, now? That that won't that won't protect you from the common cold, right? Let alone from from COVID. But it's like I think that psychologically it has an impact. It's like okay, well everybody's paying attention and all, but there's so much controversy that's caused over that. You hear people being shot and all these fights that happen because somebody won't wear a mask and these particular things happening. You watch on the news where somebody's arrested because. They went into a store that requires a mask. I mean, the only really reason to wear a mask is if I'm infected, wearing a mask would help to protect you, the person who might come in contact with me. But if I'm wearing a mask, it doesn't protect me from any type of virus that's in the air or on the on the floor. It's like the virus, if it's sneezed into the air, will fall onto the floor. Well, if I walk through that particular area and I get it on my feet and then I go home that night and I like take my shoes off, it's like, okay, I can infect myself just as easily with that. So when you listen to the narrative on TV about how, okay, well, our president got the virus because he didn't wear a mask. It's like, no, that isn't why he would wear a mask. It's like the only reason he would wear a mask would be to if he was infected and he didn't want to affect other people. But he could wear a mask 24-7, 365, and that's not going to keep him from catching the virus. How about toilet flushing? <laughs> yeah, how about look, it? Look, do we put a mask on a toilet? Right. It's like you look at You're all You're in a bathroom, things. and there's six or seven stalls, and you flush a toilet. Where does that flush go? Right. Right? Or, or you're even going to be safe, and it's like, okay, you're going to go out, and you're going to turn the faucet on, and it's like the person, two or three people in front of you might have had the virus on their hands. You're being as... as you know, safe as you possibly can, but you just touch that, you know, I mean, it's like, I know, I know. Oh, I have to tell I have to tell you, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you, but okay. I, I went up to the Weber state building the other day and they have faucets and they still have the, the, where the um, towels come out. You still yes, have to touch you it, still right? Have to touch it. So, so it's like, okay, how can, how can I possibly Get a get, towel without touching that thing. And and how can I wash my hands and then keep them clean and get a towel and get out the door? I mean, all it's how can I possibly do any it's, of those it, things? It's impossible. <laughs> and that's when it starts causing psychological trauma. 
Right. Because when you look at those particular things, it's like there's no way to look through all those things. Also, too, you look at things and it's important for our bodies to have some measure of disease oh, yeah. in order for us to build up our immune system and to have I absolutely happen. believe that. So you can be too clean. It's like, so it doesn't matter like how many times you wash your hands. It's like you can still come in contact with certain things. So the idea is we need to learn how to be realistic and how to like, you know, be realistic about the things that we do to try and protect ourselves and keep ourselves safe, but to not just assume that the narrative that we hear is, is true. Well, and that is so important because I also have somebody in that is in my house, my, my ex, my roommate, right? And we've had this discussion over the last few months where he was terrified right and i right. and i'm like build your immune system right i'm i'm out hiking i'm taking my vitamins i'm at the time um not wearing a mask right? right i i do it because you have to and i'm sure a lot of people think that i'm terrible but I'll be darned if I'm going to go hiking with a mask. I'll be darned if I'm, you know, it, it's it's going to hiking be worse with for a me. Mask is completely pathetic. <laughs> okay, there's no reason to do it. Right. The only reason you want to wear a mask is to protect somebody else. else. So when you're out in nature, when you're going for a hike, when you're on a motorcycle ride, when you're doing things, it's like there is no reason whatsoever to wear that mask. You are not protecting anything from anyone from any anywhere. Right. The, I see um, people in their cars. Oh, I see people in their cars driving down the road, and they're actually more at risk for breathing in their own carbon monoxide right. than they <laughs> and getting are. dumb. Yeah, right? yeah, it's like than they are from you know passing anything on. Um, this past week we had Thanksgiving, and I have a grandson who's in the fourth grade, and he told me about his experience at school. Some of the schools are shut down, some of them aren't. Right. Okay? Same thing across the nation. It's kind of ridiculous the measures that they're using for that, but. Um, and I'll tell you something about New York that kind of like made me crack up. But my grandson, uh, the day that they left for Thanksgiving vacation, his teacher got up and said, okay, now I want to give all of you kids an assignment and this is your homework. And she said, some of you have grandparents that are in that risky age. Well, I, I happen to be 62 years old, so I'm in that danger warning yeah zone, okay? you should be careful i should be really careful and it's how like, come we're not wearing masks yeah how come well <laughs> you know, i'll wear a mask if it will please you no i'm good like me to do. um and i do when i go to the hospital every time i walk into the hospital by the way we're in we're in chuck's house just yeah. so you know yeah so we're yeah. we're sequestered we're 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 not around other people so you don't have to be we're, we're quarantined yeah we're quarantined <laughs> um so so his teacher said, I'm going to give you the homework assignment to like call your grandparents for Thanksgiving like, because you don't want to go to their houses because you could help get them sick and you could make, make sure that, you know, if they get sick, it's like, you wouldn't want to like live with that on your conscience. Oh and you my gosh. You've got, you've got to be kidding and, me. Oh no, I'm not kidding you. And it's like, and I had to laugh because my grandson, he's a little, uh, He's a little stubborn, a little, you know, outgoing. I wonder where he gets that from. I don't know where he gets that from. He must, <laughs> must get it from the other side of the family. But, so I had to laugh because I guess he raised his hand and he goes, well, you don't know my grandpa Chuck Sharp. 
He like works at a hospital. If he's gonna get sick, he's gonna get sick at the hospital. He's not gonna get sick from his grandkids. And he's already called us and told us to come for Thanksgiving. So, Good so I had my grandchildren here all for Thanksgiving awesome. and everything. And it's like, okay, we tried to be realistic and reasonable about it. We washed our hands. We did certain things. But fact of the matter is, you have much higher uh, risk of of catching anything like that from somewhere else than you do with your own family and the people you who you've been in contact with. Um, in New York, they've done a couple of studies, and the people who actually quarantined themselves at the first of the of the COVID uh, outbreak are those who are coming in in the second wave. So those who were quarantined the most and wore masks actually caught things at a higher rate. And it's like, I don't know how they can explain that, but what you can explain is it's like, well, the yeah, mask... Yeah, how do you explain that? I, I don't... I explain that just mainly from, okay, if you've quarantined yourself and there does happen to be somebody who who comes in contact in some way, then the time that you've quarantined yourself increases the contact that you have. Because what they're starting to find out now is that even if you come in contact with someone who has COVID, they think it's a certain time period that it takes in order to be able to pick that up to the degree where you would contact COVID yourself. So they're thinking five minutes or something like that. So if you just pass somebody in the hallway or at the grocery store or something, you don't have near as much uh, as if you're together. As if you're together for that five minutes. So it's just, there's all kinds of different studies, and it makes it so that it's like you want to look and say, so uh, what are we really looking at here? Well, okay, so so we, we've looked at the masks, and we've looked at how things don't make sense, and how quarantining really is not effective, and how shutting down the economy doesn't make any sense, except for the large retailers, because, you know, I'm in the financial field, right. and I am all about following the money. And that was what I said from the very beginning. The large uh, because, retailers are doing amazing. Right. Because they're shutting down the people yeah. that they're telling these people, you can't conduct business anymore, right. but it's okay for these people. And they're doing the same type of business. Yeah. And the people who have government jobs aren't being impacted very much either because they're having a guaranteed uh, salary that they make and they can make it if they stay home and it doesn't matter and they can do some So as long as you home. work for the government. You work for the government. And you're not anyway. an entrepreneur. Yeah. If you're an entrepreneur, you're screwed. Why do you suppose they would do that? Sorry, I wouldn't say, I'm not going to say they. Why do you suppose that would happen? <laughs> Are we going to get into the deep state here? <laughs> we don't have to go into the deep state, but I mean, seriously, um, come I, on. I, I just think... Do you have more chance to catch COVID at, at, at um, like, uh, let me think of a mom and pop place. Uh, yeah. Grandma's Closet. Well, that's one down well, think the... think about this. Or, or Costco. Think about this. The news media and the mainstream media would like us to believe that it's like you can go out and you can participate in a riot or a protest where there's tens of thousands of people there and you're not going to catch COVID, but you go to your local diner and you have a, you know, your local restaurant and you have a meal and it's like you're going to have increased chance of catching COVID. That's bullshit. I mean, that isn't what the research shows. It's like in California, they just shut down restaurants for, I think, the next three weeks or something right. they like sh- that. Right. They did a, in Los Angeles County, they've shut and, everything down. They've told people yeah. they have to stay in their homes. They can't have contact with anybody but, at all. And yet the science, so to speak, that they have on it does not support the fact that the people who have caught COVID caught it at a restaurant or dining inside somewhere. So it's like... 
it's really interesting what they're choosing to use as their science and what they're doing to businesses in the United States. Okay, so we've looked at masks. We've looked at the fact that really uh, quarantining is not effective, especially when it is selective quarantining, right? Because that's what it is. And let's go back to the fact that the mortality rate is under 1%. The mortality rate is under 1%. But yeah, This is science. This, this is, is science. not something that you no, and I are making if, up. If you go and you do your research and you go to 50 pages into the CDC, or, or I can show you a website where they keep track of it on a daily basis, on a daily basis it will tell you how many tests they gave in the United States, how many people tested positive in the United States, how many people are hospitalized in the United States, how many people um, died in the United States. So it's like it'll give you all of those figures on a day-to-day basis, and you can see where the trend is. And it's pretty amazing, and you can see exactly when everything dropped in the deaths, and uh, and yet the, the news media changed their narrative and started to tell us how many people were reporting positive. Well. There's some problems with some of that. I mean, if you look at it in the state of Utah, there are certain businesses where if you test positive, you're not allowed to come back to certain work until you test negative a couple of times in a row, twice in a row. So a lot of times what those people are doing is like, okay, after six or seven days, they might not have had any uh, symptoms. They might have just had like a sore throat or a little bit of a cough, but not anything where they got sick. So they were pretty much asymptomatic. But So I've known people that have taken five, six, seven, eight tests in order to be able to get two negatives in a row so that they could go back to work. Well, those five tests that tested positive before the two negative ones now have increased the number of people that they say have COVID in the United States when it's really still the same one person that tested positive the first time. Gotcha. You, you see what I mean? Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. So a lot of the things that they're telling us, it's like they're not giving us the full perspective on it, and they're not helping us to see things. But for me, and I want to go back to something that we started with, what I'm seeing is that the lack of social interaction that we have is causing people to have a lot more psychological impact in their lives than what they did before right the fact that they can't go to a school activity or that they don't have a dance anymore or this last year they didn't even have graduation for the seniors i didn't get to see my kid graduate Graduate. summa cum laude from columbia yeah go figure it's like how ridiculous um so the fact that they don't have those social interactions it isn't giving young people especially the psychological attachments that they need to be able to thrive and survive well in society and to feel good and to build their self-esteem and to help them feel happy and to uh, give them some activities that they enjoy doing and to have like hobbies and interests and things that they can do in their life it doesn't give them the opportunities for that and the older people it's like it doesn't give them any contact with all the things that have been important in their lives. So their children and their grandchildren, the things that they've lived their whole lives for so they can be able to enjoy. It's like, oh no, they're locked away somewhere. My grand, my mother is 90 years old. 
and she lives in Salt Lake and she's locked in her little condominium and it's like she's so worried about any type of germ that she might get because she's in that 90 year old age range where if she catches anything she's been told she's going to die that she has zero contact with anyone except for just on the telephone and, and she has zero life she has zero life there's no quality of life there's no hobbies that she has there's no interest that she has she walks around her house and she cleans her house all day long so that the virus won't be there and it's like mom you got nobody coming into the house where the hell would the virus come from it's right. like you know whatever and then and then it's like when i go to visit her it's like she completely relaxes all these things so it's like you know I'll and you're to, in a hospital uh, all the time i'm in the right? hospital all the time and it's like <laughs> oh my gosh so it's like i'll walk in and she'll like give me a hug and she'll be wearing a mask and within about five minutes it's like she takes the mask off she's sitting in the chair she's talking about certain things and she's back to her life because that's what she really needs is some interaction right she called me last night on the phone and she said honey i really hate to bother you but there's a couple things that i need to have done and it's like she doesn't need to have those things done. She needs some social she contact. She needs you. Yeah. It's like, so what if the air conditioner is still in the window of her bedroom? It's like, big deal. Her furnace is going to run a little bit longer. It's not going to matter. Right. You know, she lives in a condominium. It's like, you know, it's, it's pretty well insulated anyway. That isn't what she needs to have that taken out. She needs to be able to have some contact. So... She I, I'm interrupting you right now no, because fine. because you made me think of something that I think is really important. Uh, it's a be lot better when you talk anyway. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I think you're biased. No, I am. I'm biased, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Um, so when people are under mind control, one of the mind control tactics that, you know, we gaslighting and things like that. Munchhausen, right. say it that right. I can't say it Munchausen's. right. Munchausen's. Um, one of the tactics is to separate yes. humans from everyone that is important to them so that they can be controlled. Right. Uh, the Talk two, to that The a two bit. major tactics are to separate people from their support systems and then to constantly feed them the information that you want them to believe. So when you hear certain narratives and things, and this is one of the things that frustrates me, especially with psychology, it's like, okay, everybody is being quarantined. I mean, if you go back to the very first of this quote unquote pandemic, it's like, okay, everybody quarantine for two weeks and we'll be past it and it'll be okay and it'll be done. Well, a vast majority of the people did quarantine for two weeks because they, they did right. exactly what they were told. You right. know? And it's like two weeks wasn't going to hurt anybody. It's like, okay, they did that. But then it was like two weeks became three weeks and three weeks became six weeks and six weeks became this. And then it just kind of like grew. And it's like as soon as they said that, everybody quarantined for two weeks, I started laughing because it's like, okay, wait. I had just, and you, you, well, you'll laugh at this, but I was in Italy when the pandemic I remember, came out. I remember. <laughs> so every single place... You just got out by the skin of your teeth. Yeah, it's like I was on the last plane out when it landed in Salt Lake. Two hours later, President Trump's travel advisor, travel ban went into effect. So it's like I literally was on the last plane that came out. But every single place that we went in Europe closed the day after <laughs> because of this COVID outbreak.
And then they didn't tell people until later on. It's like the COVID outbreak wasn't in the places where people were visiting for the tourist things. They, they were happening in the nursing home. They were happening in the care center. They were happening in the hospital where people were already sick. It wasn't like these people were catching COVID by going to Vatican City and seeing, seeing the Vatican and going through there and being in contact with all these thousands of people. It was like the people who were visiting people in the nursing homes were passing that on the same thing that happened like when it hit New York City and it's like okay all these people were dying in New York City and then when you started looking at it it was like okay well the average age of the person is 71 and they have three other you know pre-existing conditions, conditions. Mm -hmm. you know that happened beforehand and there's a high percentage of them that are in the nursing home care centers and you know convalescent treatment centers it wasn't like okay these are the people walking through you know, Central Park, who were taking a jog and doing things. Right. That, that wasn't who was catching it. So there was a whole lot that they didn't tell us at the beginning of the thing. But what I see is that this lack of social contact causes a number of psychological issues throughout our age range. So when you talk about small children, is that contact comfort that small children get. When you talk about school-age children, it's like the interactions that they get with their peers and developing friendships and building their self-esteem. When you talk about teenagers, it's like, okay, it's seeking out their individuality by having a certain group that they associate with and do things. You need to talk about your 20s. It's like, okay, it's like the dating scene and going out and having certain things. You go into the, your 30s and 40s and it's like, okay, the relationships that we're developing and the hobbies and interests that we have. And you get to old age and it's like, okay. So anybody um, over 30 is old like us. Well, yeah, I am. I just, you're, <laughs> you're not over 30. You're still 29. But, but, but I mean, it's like across the age range, if you stop for just a second and look at things from a psychological perspective, there's always social interaction. It's a little bit different for each age range, but it's so critical and it's so important for our self-esteem, for our happiness, for you know our value in life and the things that we enjoy out of our life. It takes those other people. Very, very few people are people that just lock themselves in you know, in the Oh, we know one of those, don't we? We know a couple, but not very many. You know. <laughs> but it's like but to me it's like nobody ever stops to think about that. Every time I hear them say, We need to follow the scientists, it's like, what scientists are you gonna follow? <laughs> Sorry, I like almost dropped you the F bomb. It's like, what scientists do you wanna follow? It's like because if you wanna follow the social scientists, they're gonna tell you Dramatic increase in suicide rate, dramatic increase in traumas, dramatic increase in psychological maladjustments to certain things. But you're not following those scientists. You want to follow the scientist that says, well, wear a mask and it's going to, you know, cut but down that's 70%. Not, but that's not the scientist. That isn't. That's just the scientist that they want to okay. look at. Okay. So shouldn't Fauci know that the masks don't work? Well, you would think he did. And in fact, at the first of the... The pandemic, he and told not people not political. to wear masks. I'm not, I'm not getting political. If you look at it at the first, he told people not to wear masks. And then later on, he lied. And I'm going to tell you, he lied. And usually I'm very qualitative. I don't usually like accuse people of certain things. I'm a therapist. So I like to like right. give have a chance. an open mind right. give a chance. But at the first of the pandemic, he told everybody, you don't need to wear a mask. It doesn't need to wear a mask. And then later on, he said, well, I told him that so that there would be enough for the healthcare workers. Well, the freaking healthcare workers don't even wear the same type of mask right. as what the public wears. So that was bullshit. It was a lie. But it's like, I think anybody who, I mean, 
I work in a stupid little tiny hospital, you know, I don't have a whole lot of education, you know, but it's like, I have enough to be able to look on the internet and to look on the, on the, on the box, the masks come in and read. Oh yeah, what, it's right what, there. What says. size of a virus that it will, you know, filter out. And it's nothing. And to know that it's like, oh shit, that isn't going to filter not gonna help out. That's not going to help. Right. So it will, it will help by cutting down the number of virus particles that are sneezed into the air. But that's it. You should sneeze it out, throw it away. Sneeze, you know, every time you sneeze, throw that's it away. That's what you would have to do right. in order for it to be 70%. Right. Effective. And then you, and then you would have to put it into a container that's, you know, like biohazard. Right. Right. But you would also have to, you know, follow the proper procedures to throw it away because that's just taking saying. the mask off is going to infect your, your hands. So right. it's like, okay. I have to believe that these people who think that they're the experts in viruses mm -hmm. and, you know, epidemiology like that, it's like they know damn good and well that's not gonna work. that that's not going to work. Okay, so let's go back to what I started this particular conversation off with. When we look at psychology, no, no, no. When we look at psychology and we look at separating people, what could the purpose, I mean, because we've looked at mind control. Because to, I've had some situations where To me, where the that's only purpose is to control the masses. And, and I know that sounds like, you know, conspires, you know, conspiracy theories and all like that. But, 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 but let's just look at the science. So what happens to someone who is separated? And what are you seeing? Are you seeing those effects right now? Someone who is separated almost immediately starts to have psychological impact. So they start to question certain things. They start to lose interest in things. They start to become more discouraged and more depressed about things. Their level of happiness decreases. It's like we, that is exactly what I am seeing. That's why there is 300% increase in the psychological contacts in the emergency department and why there's a thousand percent increase on some crisis lines because all of those things have a dramatic impact and the impact is psychological. And those are things that are oftentimes hard to put your finger on. I mean, you don't realize that the person living next door is having depression and thinking about just like taking this bottle of pills and just ending life because there's not anything fun anymore and he'll never get to see his grandchildren and he can't do this and, you know, what the heck. So those are the type of things that people oftentimes don't think about but they're dramatic. Okay, so it makes it much easier to control people when they are at this, this, I'm, I'm, I lost when the words. When they're quarantined, when they're isolated, when they're apart from, yeah, because guess how we learn? We learn from our interactions with other people. We hear this, somebody tells us that, we check this out, we do this, somebody tells us something. Oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Well, I'm going to check into that. Okay, I'm going to do that. It's like most of our information we hear from our interactions with other people. So if I'm isolated from other people and the only information I get is the 10 minutes on the television that I watch for the news and I hear certain things, it's like that's the only information I'm going to get. I'm going to go back to something also that I started to talk about um, because I've watched... Uh, I had said my, you know, quote, quote, roommate being paranoid, right? And was wearing the mask and was bringing it home and dropping it on the counter. Right. And I said, um, if you're so paranoid, what, what do you call this, right? And so then they started to see that. Oh. And over time, the last conversation, because they were, they were terrified they were going to get this thing. And the last conversation, I said, what's the mortality rate? And they told me it's under 1%. And I said, okay, 
So how does any of this make sense? And they were trying to justify right. how it makes sense. But this is a, this is somebody who worked at NASA, mm-hmm. and they can't really they can't. I so know. they're trying to justify it, but justify it because they've been fed all this stuff, and they're trying to justify these actions that don't make any sense. If you cut me off from all the ways for me to learn about certain things, my social interactions, mm-hmm. okay, and you relegate me to only the information that I give you, I'm going to give you information and there's going to be something that I hit on at some point in time that you're going to trap onto. So it's like if you notice and you listen to the news, it's like, well, we're doing this to be patriotic. Well, those people who are patriotic will do it to be patriotic. Well, we're doing this to protect other people. Well, those people who want to protect other people will protect other people. Well, we're doing this because it cuts down. I mean, it's like they say a number of different narratives that will address certain aspects of the people. And it'll be like, oh, okay, you know, we're doing this to save our children. You know, it's like we're cutting down schools. I'm doing this to save my mom. I'm doing this to save my mom, the old people, whatever it is. So if I have a mom who's in that risk group where she's 90 years old then you are irresponsible then i'm being irresponsible so i'm gonna i'm gonna trap onto that a lot easier and accept that and just think that that's the truth instead of searching it out and seeing if i have small children that are in school and i'm concerned about their well-being and so well and why wouldn't you be and why wouldn't i be if i'm a good mom or dad i'm gonna want to be and i hear on the news that it's like well the whole reason to cut down on schools and to shut out schools and to go online is to protect your children and i'm gonna like hold on to that and you're talking and we're talking and we're parents I don't have any grandkids yet, but my house was always filled with kids with germs. And I mean, kids are, some of the kids that were in my house are just nasty germ carriers. And how often was I sick? Right. Because I have an immune system. Well, that's how we develop an immune system. In fact, you know, most physicians will tell you that if, you know, the more you wash your hands and the more you cut out germs in your life, it gets to a certain point where you cross the line and now you become more susceptible. Right. I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a nurse that I know at the hospital, and he has been uh, obsessive-compulsive about washing his hands because he especially works in the hospital setting. Well, he's washed his hands to such an extent now that he's way more susceptible than he was before because now his hands are so dry that his skin has cracked and all, and now there's oh, more chance wow. of him picking up anything, you know, any bacteria, any virus, any dirt, anything, you know, from his environment than there was before because... Typically, our hands will have oil on them and we'll have like, you know, body fluids and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And they're moist and it's like, okay. But now it's like his have gone to such an extent that it's like he's way, way, way more susceptible to any bacteria and any illness than anybody who doesn't wash their hands. So you, you look at things and it's like, we got to look at moderation in all things. And that's the one thing psychologically that people don't do. That's the one thing, and you just were talking about it a minute ago, how we control people is psychologically you reach a point where they become vulnerable if you do certain things. So moderation in everything, especially like with psychology, is the important thing. Will you cut out social interaction? There's no moderation. It's going to have a problem. You have too much social interaction. Okay, sometimes there can be a problem. Oh, so yeah, like party. Yeah, or, or you look at like, um, you know, like uh, the social media that kids have and all like that okay some of it's really really important and good for their self-esteem way too much of it makes it so that yeah they don't even pay attention to school or they don't do this or they don't do anything else so it's like 
to me with psychological aspects of life that moderation is critical critical and something like we're seeing now where there is no social contact there is no you know ability to do certain things starts to be a major problem right so the psychology the psychological effects of what's going on are far worse than the I believe, illness itself. I believe they are far worse. I agree. And they're also long-reaching. So it's like if you take a child, like let's take a child who right now they're five, six, seven years old and they're developing their self-esteem and their whole, um, their personality traits and things. And it's like that child now is not in school. That child is home on the internet. That child doesn't have interaction with a teacher, with other children. It's his age, his or her age. Um, you're, you're, you're now reducing the amount of impact that that child's personality development has, which is going to last their entire life. Some psychologists and social workers will tell you that a child's 90% of a child's personality is developed by the time that they're six years old. So now I've like taken that child out of the social environment that's important for learning. I've taken that child away from people that they would interact with, opportunities to learn. Uh, I've impacted their personality development by the isolation and the lack of social contact. And they're with parents that are overly stressed because they have lack of social contact and, and they're overly stressed because they have no relief. Right. And, and then you start to see that it's like, okay, that impact is going to have a long-lasting effect on this child's personality development because now that their personality is developing and in some ways is dysfunctional or not as Even well more dysfunctional than it would be would yeah, have been in the first place. Or not as well-rounded as right. it could be or having input from other sources. It's going to impact that person their entire life. Right. So I look at those type of things and I look at the psychological impact of it and you just go like, okay, wait. In some ways, it would just be easier to say, okay, we're going to have a pandemic. Be as careful and cautious as you can. If you want to go to the grocery store, go to the grocery store. If you want to go to work, go to work. And, and have people be able to make their choices because then we can adjust to that. That makes more sense than what's going on right now, when, especially when you look at the science and the mortality rate. Because like you said, the mortality rate is actually better than the flu. Right. And... You never saw them shutting down schools for the first. Well, let me give you an example. I read a study the other day that said any given year in the past 20 years in the state of New York, you could go back and the influenza rate in the schools was between 5 and 8%. Okay? The governor of New York the other day just shut down schools because the COVID rate was 3%. And it's like, okay, wait a second. So we just shut down the schools and you used quote-unquote science to shut the schools down because you determined that the 3% rate of COVID was too high a rate and it put children at risk, even though we know it doesn't impact children. Um, but yet, in the years past, when the influenza rate has been 5 to 8%, and now the influenza rate is higher than what the COVID rate is for mortality of children, you never shut down the schools, you never did anything. It's like, help me understand how you're using science to make that decision. And does influenza affect children? Yeah. But at a, I get com compared to COVID, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, in the influenza, your child has like 
I, I think it's, I, I read this study and it said seven times more chance of dying from an automobile accident, influenza, or pneumonia than the COVID virus now. So what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. What, what are we being told? What are, and, and the problem is if they separate you from the rest of society, right. so if they, if they socially divide isolate you, conquer. divide, then it's <laughs> like it cuts down on all the opportunities for you to learn certain things. Like listen to the podcast that you're doing here today. It's like some of the information that we're sharing is from studies and research and different things. And, you know, I've been in the medical field and in the emergency department and I'm a psych person. I do this. It's like some of the people who will be listening to your podcast will never heard this things that we're talking about today right and if you're isolated and you don't have opportunities to hear except for just what you hear on the 10 minutes of the news or what your news source might be it's like you don't have the opportunity to grow and develop and to figure that out and to really discover what the truth really is the truth becomes what you're told right and i think that's you know one of the things if you look through society it's like if you you know look at the nazis you know during what happened you know in their conquest and all it's like okay you separate out certain populations, you tell them certain things, you tell the rest of the population something over and over and over again until they believe it. And it's like, wow, isn't that interesting? I mean, you look at our society. And people today. would say, oh, you're paranoid by yeah, using that as an example. But his, history. it's called history and history repeats itself. Right. And I could use examples from today. I mean, let's look at the Black Lives Matter movement right now. It's like, okay, it started out as a certain thing and now it's like, now it's switched certain things over. So it's like what we're told has, has a dramatic impact on us. But for me, you know, you started out and you asked me, what do I see that the impact is? Our isolation is the major impact that I have. To me, it's like I have encouraged my clients and the people that I know to get out, do something. If you're worried about COVID, go out to the park, walk through the park, walk around this, walk down the street, do some things like that. If you're worried about contact with people, don't have contact with people, but you need to get out. You need to do some things. Find a way to have contact. Find a Zoom conference. Call your kids on the phone. Do certain things. But social isolation to me is People need to be touched. And I mean, I'm sorry, but... People do need to be touched. It is extraordinarily important. Yeah. I love the one interaction that they had with Fauci, and he was saying that, well, you should go ahead and have sex with somebody. Just wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, well, at least he has part of his psychology, right? Yeah, what kind of mask? Yeah, like, that, okay, that sounds what, pretty kinky and, to me. And, yeah, he didn't, even, he didn't even say what kind of mask was important, but I was like, oh, my gosh, okay, that's great. So at least he understands the touch and sexuality, and those things are important, but it's like, yeah, oh, but, wear your mask, Oh, my damn it. gosh, really? I, know, I, I just died laughing. It's like, and you can Google it and find that interview. I, I mean, I didn't oh, believe it when somebody told me that, and so I Googled it and found it. It's like, oh, my hell. I laughed all day long. Like it was, it was great entertainment. That is, oh, that's great. That is funny. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. I really, really appreciate it. And you can find um, this podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, oh, Anchor, Breaker. Oh my gosh, the list goes on. It's been a while since I've since I did the podcast on a regular basis. It's going to be more frequent now. Um, it originally was with Rachel. And I, but we have gone different ways because she had something else that she wanted to do in her life and she got engaged and congratulate to her. But you can also find me um, on Instagram at getonboard333. You can find me on uh, 
Facebook still at Rain and Rachel, but I'm working on changing the name because Facebook doesn't allow you to change the name. So it's like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? And uh, you can find me at Nick Finelove. I will also be um, uh, expanding this information and this podcast so that more people can have access to this information. Any last thing that you want to say before we get off? Thank you very much for having me, and I enjoyed my time with you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Chuck. Rain out. Have a great one. Bye.